Welcome to another episode of the Penny and Pops podcast under the MagicBasketballOnline.com name. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Let's go. finals is going on right now and that got penny and i thinking uh what if uh the current nba finals playoff format was in place during the two uh magic uh final runs back in 1995 and 2009 definitely exciting basketball going on right now i think it makes all magic fans nostalgic for our two eastern conference championship teams and the years that we went all the way to the finals I'd be interested to get your thoughts on, on 1995 to start with and uh, what, if any, difference it would have made if it would have gone 2 2 one, one, one. Yeah, so like Spencer just said, the current format since 2014 has been the 2 2 one, one, one finals format. And back in the day, and that was, the, that was imposed by David Stern right before he went out the door. So two decades before that... Uh, Stern, for travel purposes that made sense at the time, uh, chose to make the NBA Finals a 2-3-2 format, considering you know it's an East versus West team, or basically the Celtics versus the Lakers back then. Um, with all the traveling going on, they thought it was a wise move to, to make it 2-3-2. Uh, unfortunately for, uh, for our Magic teams of past, it, it didn't really work out too well, I don't think. Nope. Um, looking at the 90, 1995 NBA Finals, you know, the Magic are coming off that epic uh, seven-game series against the Indiana Pacers. Suck it, Reggie Miller. Um, and, you know, they go into it almost the favorites, honestly. I mean, they, they look pretty pretty impressive at, at the time. I think overwhelming favorites, even though Houston was the defending champion. They were, I believe, a sixth seed that year. They kind of had to squeak their way in, heart of a champion, blah, blah, blah. But... The Magic beat Houston in the regular season both times, and it was it seemed to be uh, the start of a dynasty. Yeah, I mean, if, and you know, we we have to bring up Game One of the '95 series, where unfortunately uh, Nick Anderson couldn't make one of those four free throws. Kenny Smith blind blinded by Penny Hardaway's flying right arm to try and defend a three point shot sends the game to overtime, and then uh, in the overtime, Hakeem Olajuwon gets the buzzer-beating tip to win that game. Huge gut punch. Um, I can remember where the house and the couch I was sitting on. I can remember the material of the couch I was sitting on and, during that series, and I was, I was seven years old at the time, and that, that was probably the most I'd cried at that point in my life. Uh, unfathomable to lose that game. We had multiple like 20-point leads throughout the course of the game. I know you and I are in agreement on this, and I implore every Magic fan to pull up the YouTube clip of the final waning moments of the fourth quarter. Nick Anderson got rid of the basketball before he was fouled. It should have been Dennis Scott on the line. No, Brian Shaw, I believe. It should have been Brian Brian Shaw Shaw at the line. And if you saw it real quick, they had the clip on the This Magic Moment 30 for 30, but you can pull that up on YouTube. You know, they have the whole game on there. And the ball was out of his hands. Yeah, the ball's out of his hands, and I would have bet I would have bet a lot of money, whatever money was in my piggy bank at the time, that Brian Shaw would have made at least one of the two free throws. But 
you know, whatever we we we've dealt with it. Well, I haven't dealt with it, but we're we're dealing with it still all those years later. Um, you know, going into game two again at the arena, crowd still pumped. They're still confident that hey, you know, take care of business, and you know maybe we can get you know a game in, in Houston or whatnot. But that young that team was too young for its own good. It's fragile. It's um, hard. It's hard to believe though. You go. You think back about the arena and the rocking atmosphere, the sellout streak of you know tens of tens of games in a row, season after season, and the fact that they couldn't let the crowd lift them up and give them kind of a second win before they had to go into Houston. They they really packed it in early. Yeah, and I mean they they went down. The Magic were trailing by twenty two at halftime of game two, and it's just like I imagine anyone in that arena thought. I mean, they they were done defeated right then and there. Almost. Not going to battle back from that. I mean, they they fight back. You know, they end up losing a res- by a respectable, I guess, eleven points um, in game two. But then they got to go to Houston for three straight games, and at that point, you know, because of that two three two format, it's 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 crazy to to think that the Magic were going to find a way to to get back home. There's no way you're going to steal two out of three especially going into Houston, limping in the way you're limping in. And that's why, you know, my argument of, you know, the 2-2-1-1-1 format would have helped that 95 team because you're still thinking, okay, you know, we can at least, you know, maybe we won't win the series, but at least, you know, we get one of these two in Houston. We can come back home to Orlando for game five. If we take care of business of Orlando, you never fucking know. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, that didn't quite work out. You know, game three in Houston – very, very competitive. It was a tie game going into the fourth quarter, and Houston ends up eking that out by three points. And that was pretty much the series right then and there. Nick Anderson was dealing with his his mental issues, buying a, a sport, a, a supercar in Houston at the time. Um, you know, Dennis Scott. Who, if you look up the stats of that of that series, you know, say what you will about Nick Anderson, but Dennis Scott was god awful in the finals. You know, Nick was shooting 36% from from the field and 32 from the three-point line, but Dennis Scott was worse. Dennis Scott shot 31%, including 24% from three-point range, which is just inexcusable, especially with the shortened three-point line. Especially when that's your specialty. I mean, you can you can say that he did other things, but his role was to catch and shoot on the perimeter on the pass out from Shaq, and if he's not hitting, the floor's not spread for Penny to drive and Shaq to go to work in the post, and... And let's be honest, I mean, Shaq put up great numbers, but really, really got handled by Akeem Olajuwon. Oh, yeah, Akeem proved he he was the best player in the league at that time with Michael Jordan out of the league. I mean, Hakeem was the man. I mean, Shaq and Penny were the two in waiting, but Hakeem proved that he was the guy. There's a reason. He is the reason why they won back-to-back championships. I mean, that and... Mario Eli just shooting out of his ass. Mario Eli had some of the craziest percentages of shooting I've ever seen from a starter. The dude shot 64.9% field goal percentage. 64.9%. Okay? He averaged 16 points per game. It's not like he's like a scrub off the bench or anything. He's and including included in that, he shot 57.1 three-point percentage. from three-point range, man. Unreal. He's like like a Cleveland Cavalier Channing Fry. And that's why you and I just, it irked us to see him as a magic assistant coach this season. I mean, it's... Never quite got comfortable with it, did you? No, and maybe we won't have to next season. We'll see, depending on what Vogel does. But, you know, the Magic lose that, lost that close, 
game three, and then game four, Houston just gets the job done, and, and that's it, you know. And maybe the, the, that young team was thinking, oh, we'll just be back next season. Little did they know, you know, Jordan would go, you know, Jordan was back. They beat Jordan, and then the Pacers, to get to the finals. But little did they know that Jordan and the Bulls were going to put up a 72-win season after that. How and fickle that, fate can be. And that injuries would, would take over the Magic. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that... You know, one of the things that gets neglected from the 30 for 30 on the Magic that got brought up in, in the Grantland piece was the fact that Brian Hill just did not want to use his bench. He did not want to use Anthony Bowie. He did not want to use Donald Royal. Brian Shaw was the only bench guy that got any burn. And, you know, it's just disappointing to see that, you know, that team as a whole, I mean, they went 11 deep, I would say, you know, off the bench. And, they cut they cut the rotation down to a tiny nine, and who knows what what would have happened had he dug into the bench like he did leading up to that finals. Right, and so you know, enough I mean, frustration you, with we that. We see it but. now, though, just to to bring that point home. Even in the end of the Golden State and Oklahoma City series, where Billy Donovan didn't trust his bench, maybe if he gets those guys a couple extra minutes of blow, you know, over on the bench, they come in and they're able to seal the deal. So to have trust up and down your lineup and continue to have that trust throughout the series, who knows what could have happened. Yeah. So enough with that, but basically, you know, I thought, you know, if it wasn't a two, three, two format, I think the magic definitely could have took in at least one game in Houston and they really should have, they should have took in that game yeah, three. I think we both agree. They wouldn't have gotten swept at the, at the very least, but because of, of that format, it, it really did them in. So that's what happens when you have home court advantage and then you blow it. Um, now looking at the other end of the spectrum where the Magic were the road team going into the 2009 finals against the Lakers, you know, they, th- that, that road was just absolutely lovely. Of course, you know, you, yeah. you go through kind of a heart attack series against Philadelphia, um, Andre Iguodala, Mar- Marching, Marching Gortat saving us. <laughs> he did. That was a huge game six. So Dwight Howard was suspended for uh, a wayward elbow. Yeah. Uh, and he stepped up, and I think he had a double-double in that game six to seal the deal. I rem- obviously remember uh, Stan Van Gundy and Richard Lewis celebrating the series win on the sideline, a vivid picture. Yeah, it was, it was lovely. And then, of course, you go to the Boston series, and I don't care if Kevin Garnett was hurt. That was an immense series. That was a hell of a comeback win. Hito Turk lose. Game seven, which is in, 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 in raining threes from everywhere, with everybody. pizza grease falling out of <laughs> off his fingertips. You know, you and I were at the at with a couple of our buddies were at the Buffalo Wild Wings, helped by UCF. We're on the tables, like throwing. Well, we, I wasn't throwing stuff, but people were throwing stuff everywhere, and that was that was a fun, fun, fun night. Um, and then just going into the into the Eastern Conference Finals against Cleveland. Everyone thinks LeBron's going to just bulldoze over the Magic at that point. And it, it didn't happen. The Magic stole that. The Magic really should have swept that series. Probably Even... one of the most satisfying victories as a fan because you knew as a, as a local fan base and you knew that the team as a whole, they knew they had Cleveland's number, right? They went into that series just as confident that they were going to win the series as the national media was confident that Cleveland was going to beat Orlando. And to go in with that kind of uh, self-assurance and then to seal the deal, very vindicating. And you know, I can remember just that game one. We, we stole that game one, let's be honest. Yeah. We're at the Ale House near the airport, and 
you know, I just remember just the the, the slow comeback, and yeah. then Richard Lewis just throwing that dagger down, and I mean, it, it was. And the and the final play of the game one, I think there was a jump ball with like one second left. I think it got tipped out to Mo Williams, and he missed that shot at the buzzer. We, re- we dodged a bullet there. That one should have gone in. Yeah. The game two LeBron miracle shot shouldn't have gone in. But either way, we steal a road game. We're coming back 1-1. Yeah, we, we take care of business at home. And then, you know, Cleveland gets the game five, even though it probably sh- it really could have been a sweep yeah. right then and there. Right. You know, they play that damn LeBron Hail Mary shot all the time. But that shot prevented a sweep, basically. Right. Yep. So. You know, and then Dwight puts up the forty points is, in Game Six on my birthday. Is game Six, your favorite Magic game of all time. You it has gotta, to I be. Think you have to it, take the listeners through that through that night through your eyes. Oh God! All right, so you know, unfortunately, because we were broke college kids at the time, you know, we couldn't get into the stadium. But um, you know, we were we were located at a house nearby the arena, um, and to see, you know. It's it's my birthday. It's my it was my twenty first birthday, nonetheless. Yeah. Um. And basically, it involved me. Well, it involved drinking, of course, because I was twenty one. But it involved me eating an entire taco dip as well. <laughs> Needless um, to say, the celebration was crazy. Um. And I mean, even after the game, when you when we went out on uh at downtown, out on Orange Avenue, it's like Courtney Lee's like stuck in traffic with us in the car next to us. Courtney Lee, rookie Courtney Lee, driving, getting chauffeured down Orange Avenue in gridlock with the top down on his new Bentley. We look over, we see him, we go, Courtney. And there's a lot of pointing. There's a lot of smiling. He it, was w- he was just as happy to see us yeah, as we were. It, to see it him. could have been really awkward, but he was he was soaking it it's in. A class act. Yeah, and he still is. I'm happy for any success that guy goes Definitely. through. But speaking of Courtney Lee, we yep. got to talk about that that 2009 finals. Uh-oh. So game one, Magic yep. get blown out by 25. Um, you know, whatever you you throw that to the side. Yep. Um, again, we're still in the two three two format. So game two's in in LA, and you know the Magic are battling that whole game. Uh, the you know the game is tied. I remember Hito Turkoglu getting that crazy block on Kobe. Yep. Um, Dwight probably would have blocked that Kobe shot anyway, but who knows? Maybe the rest would have screwed us over and right. called a foul. But Hito's, Hito's block earlier gave us just enough time to drop a play for Courtney Lee. And, you know, for those that have been following Stan Van Gundy's run with the Magic, we know that there's a few famous alley-oop plays. Um, and, I mean, not just Stan Van Gundy. I mean, Brian Hill drew up a couple, right. too, before yeah. that. But. You know, it involves Hito Turkoglu throwing that ball in out, out, out on the sideline. And, you know, we all remember Courtney Lee missing the game, uh, missing what would have been the game winner at the buzzer. The game goes to overtime. You and I are at the uh, the Cobb, Cobb uh, Cinema, Cinema downtown. downtown Movie yeah. Theater Plaza. For I think it was for both the first two yeah. games, I believe. Yeah. So first one was disappointing. Second one was just, oh, it was just crazy. But can we can we let Courtney Lee off the hook and can we have can we have people just stop riding his ass for that game too? I think so. I mean, he caught the ball behind the backboard. His body was behind the backboard. It was a much tougher finish than people get, want to give him credit for. It was certainly not a gimme layup. It may or may not have been goaltending on yeah. Pau Gasol. The the one thing that I find uh, the most pleasing in in the despair is that I remember they asked Kobe Bryant. 
what 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 was going through your mind as the ball was in the air traveling to to Courtney Lee because Kobe Bryant got screened off. He was well, supposed to guard. And Kobe Courtney was play. fucking grabbing yeah. onto Courtney too. That should have been that, that could have been time. an off yeah. ball foul. So that so that, that half a second that slowed Courtney down prevented him from getting to the ball at a at a better right. speed anyway. So it. And maybe that's why he caught the ball behind the basket. But they asked Kobe in the post-game press conference, what what thoughts going through your head? You know what his answer was? What? Fuck. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he knew it was a hell of a play, and you got to give credit to Stan Van Gundy for drawing that one up. You couldn't ask. I mean, it was, yeah. not, uh, it was not a gimme, but you couldn't ask for a better look. No, it wasn't a gimme, and anyone that gives Courtney Lee shit for it is, is just not an athletic individual. Right. To get, for, for him to get there with Kobe holding his jersey, gets around the screen— he gets up high. It's not like he's catching the ball low. Like Courtney Lee was is six two, six three. Yeah. He's jumping up there and getting up to a decent height. His body, like you said, is under the basket and probably behind the backboard. And you know, I if you slow it down, if you pause it, you know, when he catches the ball, the ball is literally right underneath the backboard. So he has to get his right arm, contort it upwards. Flip the ball up, fight against his momentum fly, going full all speed. All yeah, that yeah. full speed momentum. Yeah. I mean, it, it, let it let it go, folks. It, let it go. But and then of course, Pal Gasol definitely goaltended. Yeah, Pal he he hits the net with both his hands. His right hand, two of his fingers shake the rim, grab the rim. You know, and it's uh, just just let Courtney Lee off the hook. All right, it, it's not his fault. And so let's let's move on to game three, a happier moment. So game three, the Magic, they shot 75% in the first half. Is that good? That's, that's pretty good. That's not bad, uh, you know, in that first half. And, you know, it, it, they, made, it, they made things a little bit tighter, you know, in the second half to the Lakers. The Magic win by four, but that game three victory was the Magic's first win in NBA Finals history. That alone automatically makes the 0-9 run or maybe the 09 team better than the 95 guys validates them a little bit i was in the building for that one crazy atmosphere the one enduring memory i have from that game is the blatant double dribble from michael petrus on the fast break takes the dribble with his right hand literally picks it up and carries it for two steps takes it over to his left side for one more dribble before he dunks it down they didn't call anything Probably because they owed us for that goaltending game, too. Yeah, I mean, speaking of dunks throughout that postseason run, I mean, Courtney Lee had some ridiculous dunks. Peaches had, which we call Michael Peaches, Mike Pe- you know, Mike Peaches, Peaches. Uh, Peaches had a couple ridiculous shots through the through that whole postseason no run. Conscience. Yeah, I mean, it's we love that guy so much. Uh, we love both those guys. But, yeah, the Magic won that game three. Obviously, the big storyline in that finals was Jameer Nelson came back. When he should not have come back. So he, I, I'd like to address this on the podcast because I have strong feelings about this. And maybe it's because I'm a Stan Van Gundy apologist. But I want you to go back. You can look at the box score for every game. You can go back and watch each game of that series. A lot of, The common misconception of Magic fans is, what, Ray for Alston got us to the finals. Why'd we bench him? Why'd we stop playing Ray for Alston? Go back and look. Jameer Nelson, in each of the five games of the final series, in not a single game did he play more minutes than Rafer Alston. He simply took the place of Anthony Johnson coming off the bench. Now, you can de- debate the merits of whether Anthony Johnson would have provided more uh, quality minutes than Jameer Nelson. I think he would have, but... But... That's a, that's, a, that's a trusting your all-star player. You forget that that was the best year of Jameer's career. It he was. He was an all-star, no, it, it an all-star was. season, yeah. shooting the lights out, playmaking, doing it all. And you got to, at the end of the day, 
Jameer Nelson was a better player than Anthony Johnson, and if he has the opportunity, the capability to give you a little bit extra off the bench, you got to roll the dice and take it. But see, I, I don't think Jameer in the state he was in was was better than Old Man River, River Johnson. I mean, I, I just don't. I, he wasn't ready. He couldn't shoot. I mean, look, Rafer and Jameer equally shot pretty bad. I mean, Rafer, you know, Skip to my Lou shot thirty six, thirty seven percent from the field. He shot under 16% from three-point range. But, but that's his game. I mean, he's not going to knock down And look, Skip shots. made some pretty, had some real big games. If you look at him, he had some real good stat lines leading up to the finals. Yeah. He had some, and I mean, he was there for his defense. His defense probably overshadowed what Jameer could have done on both ends, I think, even that's if he was a little bit too. healthy. Yeah. Because Rafer Austin's defense was phenomenal. He helped. He was one of like the 17 guys that guarded LeBron in the series before that, so... I mean, you know, and then you look at Jameer's stat line. Jameer, he shot about 16% from three-point range, you know, but he shot under 35% from the field. But the biggest issue was Derek Fisher hit those daggers in game four. Now, the biggest issue was Dwight Howard couldn't make a free throw to seal the deal. That too, of course. But, I mean, that, that, that comes with the territory with Dwight. I mean, you, got, you, you had to live with it, right. unfortunately. And Dwight would... didn't have a bad series. He just didn't have a great series. I mean, no. he averaged about 15.5 and, and 15.5 and points and boards. So, I mean, you, you can't fault him. He still shot a, a, an okay percentage. He was under 50%, which isn't, which isn't him. But, I mean, it's the finals. It gets tougher. Yeah. The, biggest, you know, the biggest problems was Trevor Reza hitting very timely three-pointers and Derek Fisher shooting shooting out of his ass basically right. trevor ariza has a knack for just not missing from behind the three-point line whenever he plays against us though the one thing that struck me uh in the worst way is dwight howard reflecting on the final series this was a couple years after we'd lost in 2009 he basically said in the interview once we lost game two in la i knew we weren't going to win the series and to go with that mindset, like well, you, you have that's a big fuck you. you. You have three straight games at home. You're not expected to steal one on the road. You can win two or you can win three in a row at home. It's been done now. I mean, you can you can do that and then go steal one at the end. Game seven's a toss up. We already won a, a huge game seven in Boston. So I feel like at the end of the day, his defeatist attitude probably permeated through the team, and that's probably why we laid down for the most part in Game Five, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you know, one, I think the narrow victory in Game Three, despite shooting that seventy-five percent in the first half, I think it had some of the guys worried that wow, we played a pretty pretty damn Close good game perfect. and we barely eked out a win, but. I mean, look, if they would have if they would have just found a way to just close out that game four, they should have won that game four. Yeah. But because they lose the game four, they they gave up. They did not want to get back on that plane to Los Angeles. They just didn't. They gave up and you know, that's why the Lakers ended up winning game five by thirteen. The Lakers are celebrating on our home court. I mean, that's stuff. Phil Jackson's getting his Ten rings, X hat, soaked with all the champagne in our visitors' locker room. I don't want to watch that. Yeah, and I, I don't want to watch him hit up all our buffets either. But <laughs> um, you know, it's it, that that sucked. And but uh, you know, this is where again, I think the two three two format hurt us. If it was a two two one one one, I think that at minimum that goes to game six, probably yeah. back in Orlando, and you're making Kobe, you know, and the Lakers beat you at home. And so if that happens, that happens. But. Anyway, uh, sorry for a little bit of depression there. Um, 
I guess we're you know going into this now. We uh, we since we since ESPN uh, televised the annual uh, Scripps National Spelling Bee, uh, we uh, we wanted to do a little bit of spelling of our own. So Spencer and I picked each picked three Magic players that each of us have to spell their name in in their entirety, um, first and last name. No crazy middle names because yeah. we personally don't really care for middle names. So, um, but uh, you know, uh, I I I handicap myself i let spencer pick uh any magic player prior to 2003 and then i took 2003 to present so uh so do you want to go first you want me to go first let's do let's do uh round one for each of us okay Okay, so uh your first magic player chris corciani chris corciani okay uh is it chris or christopher Uh, chris Corciani okay. from NC State. Oh, you put the schools down. Now I knew he was from NC State. Yep. Um, Chris, yep. C-H-R-I-S, Corciani, C-O-R-C-H-I-A-N-I. You're correct. All right. Oh, that, that drama had me worried for a wow. minute there. Well done. Okay. So I, uh, I, I'm going more the, the tricky route. So they sound like they're simple. Simple. Um, well, Two of the three sound like they're simple anyway, but uh, I'm leaving a little bit of doubt in your head. So your first player is uh, Britton Johnson, Uh-oh. Summer League uh, of Summer League fame for dunking on LeBron James. Summer League famous, also infamous for me because he's the reason we, we signed Desmond Penninger to a 10-day contract. I don't know if you remember King Desmond, and the Magic waved him to bring Britton Johnson back to close out the season, even though they started the season with him, and he was not just so good. Yeah, you and I were at way too many of those games that season. So <laughs> we were the only ones. It's okay. Britain, so Britton Johnson. Okay. Here we go. B R I T T O N J O H N S E N. Very Johnson. clever. Very very well done. Yes, see? Thank you. And I, I kind of gave it away by telling you it was tricky. Maybe I should have told you. I'm going to give you the easiest <laughs> name I got. But yes, it was E N, not O N. So good job. Okay. On that. So All round right. two. We're into round two. The names get a little bit harder now. Maybe. Gerald Sasser. Oh boy. Um, can I give you the last name first? Would you Would you like me to use it in a sentence? Sure. Yes, I, I'd love you to. Does it involve a Boston Celtics Gerald, game? Gerald Sasser scored twenty points against Boston, against Boston in the Garden, and never made a jump shot for the rest of his career. Was Gerald it, Sasser was it twenty or twenty six? I, I had think a lot he, of points. I think he got twenty six, which is even yeah. crazier. Um, oh God! All right, I'm going to do Sasser first. How okay. about that? Sure. I'm going to do S A S S E R. Halfway home. Gerald. Yep. Oh, boy. Uh, boy. Screw it. J-E-R-Y-L. You, sir, have spelled it correctly. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm... Oh, wow. Two for two. I I knew it was tricky. I knew... I I just didn't know which way it went on that. So, uh, your second name is going to be Baina Udre. Ooh. I'm going Slovenian on you. Okay. Recent magic player. Yes, it's yeah. definitely definitely rather recent, but he had a very short stay in O Town. Yeah. So you get Bane Udre. A tricky name. I have to tell you, I really like the way he's wearing his hair lately. He's got a little faux hawk like fade thing going. And you, you could pull that off. I, I might. Go if for I can, it. If I can spell it right, then I can wear <laughs> the hair. All right, let's go. B E N O. Got the first name. U D R I H. Well done. Thank you. 
Okay, we might be too good for this. We we might be showing off our skills we here just, a bit. We just know a lot about a little. All right, so what... so come on, kill kill me on round three. All right, here. this is F- the, finish me off. This Let's is go. the championship round. Okay, round three, Olumide Oyedeji. Okay, my favorite Nigerian. Um, well, maybe Victor Oladipo is my favorite Nigerian. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Olumide Oyedeji, O L U M I D E. For the first name. How am I doing? You're good. Um, Oyedeji. O-Y-E-D-E-J-I. Oyedeji. This man can spell. <laughs> well done, sir. So I'm, I'm quite grateful you didn't give me Larry Kraskoviak because I really thought you were going to do that. And I did not look it up. I, I'm a man of my honor. I'm yep. a man of my word. I have not looked up Larry Kraskoviak's name in about two months. So, um, <laughs> What were you doing two months ago? I, maybe I, I was looking up potential coaches. I All don't right. know. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, definitely not potential coaches, but I, I, was, I, was, I was digging deep a little bit yeah. there. All right. So your last one is, um, it, it could be easy, could be hard. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's Terrence Morris. Uh-oh. Um, so you can probably get the last name correct. But uh, there's a couple ways you can go with Terrence. Okay. Um, Terrence, famous for on the uh, 05 06 Magic team, actually. I, I remember his blue jersey, number 40, and I remember Brian Hill not playing him much. Let's see if I can remember how to spell his name. I'll go Morris first M O R R I S. Okay. Okay. Now it's going to be different than regular, so let's try T E R. E-N-C-E. You bastard. You got it. Thank you. All right. So we went three for three. So much like the Scripps National Spelling Bee, we have co-champions on the Penny and Pops podcast as well. Yes. And I don't know who's the shit talker out of us. <laughs> Probably me. But um, I, I'm grateful in, in my co-champion victory. There. Let's share an awkward, nerdy high five. <laughs> Let's go, buddy. There we go. All right. So uh, that'll, that'll do it for this uh, version of the Penny and Pops podcast. Uh, we actually do have a new episode planned next week uh, already. Uh, we are going to go through a interesting top 70 all-time Orlando Magic player list, and we're going to nitpick it a little bit. So. And we're going to spell all the names, so be sure to tune in for that one. <laughs> that could go a little while. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we, we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. We're, we're very grateful for, for your subscri- subscriptions and you guys just listening in on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow the uh, MagicBasketballOnline.com story-only feed uh, where we have all our posts on there, at MagicMBO. Uh, what's your Twitter handle, Penny? Uh, it's at Spencer Strode. Okay, and mine is uh, at Papa Giorgio MBO. Uh, good luck spelling that. I, right. Yeah, you know, I'm just just look it up on Twitter. Just start typing stuff on Twitter, or Google. You'll you'll find a Greek last name. A lot of there. ways to get in touch with us, but really cool to do this, and we're excited to continue it and talk about magic news as it comes available. All right. Well, we'll see you next time, O Town. Take care.